Like many organizations in and out of government, the city of Honolulu is allowing more and more employees to access its IT systems on mobile devices. Hello, I'm Eric Chabro of Information Security Media Group, and to discuss how Honolulu developed policies to assure the security of its IT systems and data as mobile access increases, I'm pleased to be joined once again by Honolulu's Chief Information Officer, Gordon Bruce. Welcome back, Gordon. Thank you. Glad to be here. It's not just BYOD, bring your own device, that's driving use of mobile technology in Honolulu government, but the technology itself. The policy you're implementing covers government-issued as well as personally-owned mobile devices. What's interesting about Honolulu's approach is how it allows individual agencies to tailor their mobile policy. First off, let's hear how the policy developed. How did you initially decide what approach to take and who participated in developing the policy? Honolulu has tried to jump out ahead of this. We knew that it was coming, and we knew that we'd be kidding ourselves if we were to bury our heads in the sand and say we're not going to support the use of mobile devices. When we sat down and looked at how we would secure these devices and enable them to be part of what the employee wants to use and what the citizen wants to use, we knew we had to look at certain policies, and we knew that different departments work differently. In particular, if you take a look at the first responder community versus the non-first responder community. Two totally different methods of operation. Can you provide an example? There were a number of devices that the police carry that gave them push-to-talk capabilities on their mobile phone. That series of capabilities is going away. Verizon were the provider of that service. We found a software application that runs on an iPhone that enables push-to-talk capabilities that was available on previous devices. Police had to make a decision as to whether or not they wanted to make that application available or not. After they looked at the application, they decided they did not want to make it available because it was even more powerful than the push-to-talk capabilities they had in the past. And they didn't like the fact that you could also bring non-first responders into your push-to-talk family. Push-to-talk, this is basically making an iPhone like a walkie-talkie? Exactly. What do the police end up doing? They're stuck right now because that push-to-talk capability is going away. They're going to have to make a decision or try and find another application or decide that they no longer need it. They still have their regular radios that they carry, but police liked the mobile phone push-to-talk capabilities when they had to do a one-on-one with one of their other associates. It wasn't a standard operating procedure tool, but it became one. In developing the policy, did you start with first responders or non-first responders? We had worked initially on the non-first responder group as far as developing our policy. And we had to look at things such as, is it a city purchase device? Is it my own device? Do I qualify for overtime? Am I subject to FLSA standards? All of those kinds of things had to be taken into account as we developed the policy that would be rolled out for the employee. You mentioned you had to look at whether the person qualified for overtime. Is this an area that maybe when people think about mobile use that uh, employees who are early employees, for example, may be putting in extra time when they shouldn't? Right. Legally, it can get very touchy. Now, we're a union shop. That adds another flavor, if you will, to how things are done. And we have union as well as non-union employees. Areas that have always been kind of gray is if an employee uses and checks their email after hours. Have any of them really filed for overtime or things like that? No, but their department heads tend to be the ones that are controlling whether or not they have the ability to do overtime after hours. That responsibility is with the agency head. And we wanted to keep that kind of flavor going when we started rolling out the mobile devices. Anyways, we developed the policy that would take into account the independence of each agency 
gives the agency the authority to enable access to the various systems using those mobile devices. That became the first one and the foundation for subsequent policy, which became the next one that came out of the first responder community. Why did you decide to go with the non-first responders first? And when you say we, who are we? We went with the non-first responders first because they were the ones that were asking first. So they would first come to the table. And we are agencies like Parks Department, Facilities Maintenance Department, the Roads Division. These were the kinds of agencies that were saying, how can we expand on citizen-facing mobile applications that we've already rolled out so that we, as the provider of those services, can also use mobile devices as the response and support piece of the citizen request. We rolled out a number of citizen-facing mobile applications, and one of our major ones was one we call Honolulu 311, which enables a citizen with any mobile device to, say, an abandoned vehicle. Use their mobile device to take a photograph of that abandoned vehicle. We geocode it. They send that information to us. We send it to the customer services department responsible for the removal of abandoned vehicles, and all of that information is geocoded and put into the work order system that our customer services department. But what they didn't have at that at customer services was the mobile device piece that would allow them to make their job easier in responding to the fact that they've removed that vehicle. So they came to us and said, hey, wait a bit, wait a minute, now how can we also use this tool? And that's when we had to say, okay, let's start inserting things like our city policy and how we're going to use it. Because we use email a lot as back ends of some of these systems, we also have to look at how we would enable email and, and secure the device, secure email, secure the applications, and all those things associated with it. What time frame are we talking about? How long ago were these initial applications? Oh, we've done all of this within um, 120 days. How long ago was this implemented? Honolulu 311 has been out for almost a year now. And then the back end piece, we were in pilot for 90 days. And we went live production this month. Okay, so it's fairly recent. Fairly recent. What was interesting, as you're developing this mobile policy, because you, especially when you hear a lot about mobility today, you're hearing about BYOD, where people want to use their own devices to access corporate or government networks. Here, it sounds as if there was a specific need to get information, and technology can provide that information. So it wasn't necessarily someone wanted to use their own device, but the idea that mobility is a new tool that can help government accomplish its goals. Right. And the two driving forces behind it, number one was email, the desire on many of the employees to get real-time email on their mobile devices. And by real-time, I mean real-time, not going onto a website or anything like that. Then also real-time access to a number of applications like our electronic form system, our ERP system, our time and attendance, employee self-service. These are all driving requests that are coming from the employee. Let's talk about the people who helped develop the policy. I mean, who's involved in this? Obviously, the Department of Information Technology, the Department of Human Resources, our legal department, Budget and Fiscal Services Group. Everything gets worked out. It bubbles up to the managing director's office slash the mayor who sign off and make it policy. Can you discuss a little bit about why each of these parties are important to be part of the process? I mean, obviously, I guess budget, fiscal services group, because there's money involved in this. HR, I guess, because 
people or, or is, you know, what are the... They're the interface to the union. They have all the union contracts that we have to comply with. They have to make sure that whatever policy we put in place doesn't conflict with that, whatever the union agreements are. Legal because of Federal Labor Standards Act, FLSA, and, and how making sure that we uh, don't put something in place that would violate that. I typically don't like to do a lot of policy, but this is one where we really have no choice. Why did you have no choice? Well, because of the legal aspect. FLSA is a major one overtime in the union. Those things are right there. And then the things that were added to it were rights of use. Is it your own device? How much control will we, the city, be taking in the management of that device from a Will we have the ability to wipe it completely if you lose it? If you violate our policy on use, what level of control over that device will we have? And it varies depending on whether or not it's a city-owned device or a personal device. And I'll give you an example. On a personal device, it's very hard for us to say, okay, you can no longer go to iTunes and download music. On a city-owned device, we can very well say, you're not going to be using iTunes and you're not going to be downloading music to the city-owned device. You have to balance those two kinds of things in your policy. Of course, a policy could state if you want to have access to our system and if it's your own device, you can't download iTunes. Chances of someone using their own device pretty well goes out the window. But that is something where I, I believe in Honolulu, you give each department a freedom to decide what the policy should be on these kind of right. devices. But as we were developing the policy, we were also looking at the various technologies out there that would enable us to execute the policy, such as the mobile device management component. So we looked at a number of different products out there that would allow us to manage that device. And we had to find certain technologies that would enable, for example, each agency to have their own set of rules under the policy that they can operate, i.e., yes, we'll let you use iTunes. No, you cannot use iTunes. Or in, in the example of the police department, they're creating their own store. If first responders can download applications from the police store, but they cannot download applications from the iTunes store. So concurrent with us writing policy, we were also looking at the technology to make sure that the technology fit the need of policy and vice versa. The city and county of Honolulu chose AirWatch for its mobile device manager. Were there a lot of products out there? There's not a lot, but there's a lot of a lot of vendors getting into the business at a very, I don't want to say immature state because it's not a truly mature state, but they're all evolving. So whether it be Maz360 or AirWatch or Quest or IBM or whatever, they all have mobile device management tools out there. We took the approach that the tool also had to match policy. And how did you vet the AirWatch product? So we did a pilot project. We did a, a hundred devices, email only, uh, not access to the applications yet, but access to email only, real time. Used AirWatch to manage and control in the pilot. So people had to be willing to go through the pain of some things that we had to learn as we used the tool. We did that for about 45 days. Got through that growing pain concurrent with developing the policy and got everything formalized by the beginning of September so that we could start rolling out 400 devices that are sitting waiting in the wings. So you're still in the pilot project? No, pilot is over. We're, we're now moved, the 100 are being moved over to production, which is a minor thing to do. And then we have another 400 new ones that'll be coming online starting, well, they've started already. These are city, county-owned devices? Both. Combination of city and county-owned devices or bring your own devices. Mostly city-owned. There's a few EYODs. This is designed so each department can develop their own policies, what these devices can access and download. 
the departments must comply with the master policy, but there's some flexibilities within that master policy that enable them to do some things that may be unique to them. We had a situation where there was a particular application that uh, a department wanted to use or test or evaluate. It was one of those that was on the restricted list of the first responders who said, no, we don't want them to do this. But from the other agency standpoint, there was no reason why they shouldn't be able to use that particular application. Because they manage their own devices within that agency, they could enable that to be downloaded. Why is this flexibility good? Every department is unique. There is no way that the Parks Department is the exact same way as the Department of Emergency Services. Too many unique rules, too many unique um, ways that they operate. They also have different components within their respective union contracts. They're a little bit different. It's difficult to have a one-size-fits-all. We have 10,000 employees that are unionized with two major unions, and the union contracts are not purely identical. And then departments have administrative rules under which they operate as well, so those have to be brought into place. When you think about it, we've got the legal department, we've got the prosecuting attorney's office, we've got wastewater, we've got roads, we have, in our particular case, driver's licensing and motor vehicle registration. Then we've got police, ambulance, fire. It just goes on and on. And there's there's a lot of differences between those agencies. How are the problems of, say, a union worker who at night wants to check email? How was that worked out? Back to the department head. The department head has to look at that particular individual and say, okay, this individual is a unionized employee, and under the union contract, they qualify for overtime for any work after eight-hour day or whatever the hour day it is. That department head would be put in a position of saying to that employee, I'm sorry, because of the union contract, I'm not in a position to enable you to do this. If you are willing to sign this terms of use document that says that you agree that you do not want to qualify for overtime in order to have this capability and all the various rules associated with it, then I'll approve that. So what happens right now is that I'm an employee, I want to use my own device, or even if the city is going to provide me with a device, I go online, I submit an online request, and I approve a terms of use agreement. So I sign that terms of use agreement that I understand that this is the rules under which I will operate the device. Adjacent to that is the policy, the city's policy on use of mobile devices. When that goes to the department head, he or she can say, okay, I accept this employee's request, approve it. That then gets submitted to our agency for us to enable the the device. And once we've enabled that device, it's up to the department head to administer it. Has the union raised any objections? Not yet, because it's not a requirement to do your job. But having a mobile device could be helpful in doing your job. It could be. It's like mechanics. Mechanics bring their own tools. The city has tools that they can use, but some of the mechanics would rather use their own. And that's fine. It's your choice. This is a little bit different, but also a little bit the same in the fact that this is, you want to bring your own tool. It's your choice. But because of the situation with overtime, because of the flexibility technology gives you, there's a certain number of tweaks we have to do to it. But the difference here between bringing your own tools and mobility is there could be situations where an employee will be working hours that they normally would not work. And I guess that raises another question, how to define work or the time when work is done. It's happening to all of us where we're working. It may take a few hours off during the day because we know we could be at home at night because we have the technology that we can make up that time. That may not be the same thing with an hourly worker. Exactly. I don't know if that's a big problem that could have an impact on how mobile technology will be employed in governments. 
That's why we've had to look at each one of those pieces. We are not forcing the employee to use their own tool set. We are not forcing the employee to check email after hours. That occurs when they make the request to have that capability. Right at this point in time, we've put the responsibility on the actual department head to approve that employee's use of that device, understanding that that could also mean after their normal workday. But it's the employee's call, and they've also said that they agree that that will be their decision whether or not to use it after hours. You're developing a uh, mobile policy that really isn't divorced by BYOD. Bring your own devices is an element of your mobile policy. Correct. And you're developing this policy because the way organizations, in your case, the city government, is using technology and how technology is evolving. What does this say about how important mobility is becoming in government doing what they need to do? Mobility has always been there. We have 2,500 laptops, mobile devices, if you will, that are out there right now today. They sit in police cars, they sit in ambulances, they sit on individuals who take them out on the job, they take them home. But now what they've got is another device that's a lot less expensive, it's a lot more portable that they would rather use, and there's more individuals who have access to them. Think of it this way, a PC laptop, 2500 bucks. Mobile device, $300, $400, $500. We have a whole new market out there of consumers that now have access to these mobile devices that they never had before. And these, these devices have access to the systems. Securing them and all of that becomes DIT's responsibility. Now, there are certain things that we do to their device at home that enable them to do that, just as we there are certain things that we're going to do to their mobile device that will enable them to do that, i.e., on the mobile device, they must be running AirWatch. AirWatch is software that's put on the device and the rest of it is through a cloud service? Yeah, in our particular case, we, we had an option, but we've elected to go with the cloud service. And no security concerns with the cloud service? No, no. We've made them jump through many hoops and there's certain requirements that they had to, uh, had to comply with. And most of them do already because they know that they wouldn't be able to sell their product if they didn't have it. Can you give an example, one or two examples of what those requirements would be? There's certain federal security standards. There's encryption requirements. And is there a way that you can vet them or audit them to make sure they're doing what you want them to do? Yeah, they, there's documentation that they have to provide us that verifies that. Right now, most of the mobile devices are being used in Honolulu are government-issued ones, although I suspect that maybe over the years there'll be an increased use of individual ones. So would you say that's correct? Yeah, it's true. We're about, I, I would say, I think it's around 25 or more are personal. 25 units? Yeah, 25 of the first 100. So that's not bad, 25%. Now, I don't think that percentage will hold that high when we get more and more of these devices rolled out the next 400, for example. I know the next 400 are 100% um, city purchase. So the issue of support really isn't a big one because you're not supporting, obviously, uh, I guess, personally owned de mobile devices, iPads, iPhones, or, or I guess laptops, correct? Yeah, we, we, well, we support the laptops. Even the personally owned ones? Only to the point where we allow, where we enable access. If you can't get in to our system and you've got all the appropriate pieces on, it's not our problem. We have the same approach with the mobile devices because we found during the pilot program that two exact devices running the exact same iOS can run differently depending on who your carrier is. We've made the decision that when you bring in these mobile devices, whether it be a city purchase device or a BYOD, we, we being the city, will not support that device. We will give you and we will enable that device if during the course of operation you either change carriers or do something with device that's not our problem. There's no way we can manage it. We don't have the resources to manage these. Could there be 
if not immediately now, problems if people start using their own devices that are not supported and things go wrong and it somehow has an impact on the work that they have to do and that the city has to do? It could, but I'll use an example. I've got someone out there with a laptop right now and they went to a website and they downloaded an application that causes some problem with that particular PC. Right now, because we support the laptop, we go and take it off their hands and spend the time to correct whatever it is they cost. Right now, if they download some piece of software or whatever onto the mobile device and all of a sudden it doesn't, it's not working and they can't figure it out, we can always just go say, that's fine, we're just going to reset it. We'll wipe it, reset it back to normal. And we ran into it. We ran into those kinds of things during the process and enabled us to make it real clear to the individual that wants to use their own device. You've got to be careful with what you do with it. It's actually making them better with managing their own device. For example, a lot of them that bring their own device didn't have passwords. We require passwords. And not simple passwords either. No, not simple passwords. They must meet the city's requirement for passwords. And they must renew them every 90 days. And we force that renewal through the mobile device manager. Our point to them is that, you know, you were walking around with this device with all kinds of personal stuff on it that anyone could get to. We've made, we've helped you make it more secure. It, but it's, again, it's your call. You don't, we're not saying you have to use your device to get into the city systems. Well, thanks, Gordon. You're welcome. That's Gordon Bruff, Chief Information Officer for the City and County of Honolulu. For Information Security Media Group, I'm Eric Chabro. Thanks for listening.